Hello, and welcome to the pilot run of 100% Real with Brandon Markell. I'm very excited to share my views, my intellect, and most of all, my open book with you. This is a podcast where I take my own defenses down and give you the real deal based on a real-world vantage point. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a few moments with me, Mr. Brandon Markell. Now, today's topic is all about Father's Day. I'm going to talk about not having a father, like-minded people who may have been in the same boat, women who have been turned into fathers, the true father, and I'll definitely leave you with a closing moment in order to wrap this all up. So let's jump right into it, shall we? Not having a father. Now, I grew up in a household with about 14 people. Me and my six brothers and sisters, my grandma, my uncles, cousins, nephews, name it. There might have been a few geese and you know ducks running around there as well. Between the time of my living up until 17, we probably had about eight dogs. You know, um, so that's the reason why I wasn't a real pet fan, because I was always placed with pets in the home, you know. So uh, when I got older, I didn't want that. But, you know, back to the subject at hand here. This not having a father thing, being raised by women, you know, growing up in a household full of estrogen. There's something to be said about that, to watch women have to actually raise boys into men to watch that struggle take place and realize you're part of that struggle. So in my household, because there were so many people, so many mouths to feed and so little, you know, faith of what an actual father figure was or someone playing that father figure, it was very, very hard to grasp things, learning how to be a man. Our struggle with the identity of a man took so long that it definitely subjected us to, you know, what we actually went through and took on in our own lives. Um, Again, six brothers and sisters, no father figure. That's a very, very hard pill to swallow. And being the older brother, being lost, not knowing exactly where you want to be, what you want to be, and anything you took interest into, Your family wasn't there to take interest in because everybody was trying to fight for their piece of the pie. It it was literally like slowly dying every day, but not knowing how or why. Just knowing you were losing something over and over again. And when you grow up that way, there are things that you can't actually obtain or things that you can't grasp as a boy as a young man turning into an adult. And what you realize that you miss out on is that there are lessons that you just can't learn from a woman that should have been taught by a man. And you find yourself floundering and not understanding where to go, why you should go, or when to do it. And what happens is you develop these feminine traits. Now, I became a romantic at a very, very early age, 12 years old. Ellen Kreidman, light her fire, light his fire. Now, if there's anybody out there listening to that, you probably have to be of a certain season to understand what that um, book on tape was. But I listened to that to and from, front to back. I fell asleep to it. I paid attention to that more than I paid attention to the lessons in school. I wanted to have a real, loving relationship with women. I wanted to know 
what it was like to make them smile, to make them feel on top of cloud nine. You know, that's exactly what I sought out to do because I never saw it. My mom had man after man, bad relationship after bad relationship. My grandma, basically after my grandpa passed away, was, you know, kind of alone. She had a a man friend, you know, but that was about it. I didn't see a lot of loving, nourishing relationships. So that's all I wanted. At 12 years old, I wanted a giant house with 12 kids, you know, um, no pets, not a pet guy, but 12 kids, the, the, the American dream, the, the beautiful wife who, who I work, she stays at home, not because it was a, you know, a macho thing, but because all the women in my family, all they did was work. So I wanted to really be able to change that as I got older. And I sought that everywhere I went. And somehow in the midst of that, growing up that way, I became a captain save. Now, there may be a derogatory term for that, but for me, I was looking to take women out of that situation. So every woman I talked to, every girl, even as a young age, I was looking to be in a real relationship with. It wasn't about hitting and quitting. It wasn't anything sexual or anything like that. I wanted their laughter. I wanted to be able to do spontaneous things and make them feel something that they've never felt before because it was something I had only seen on TV and in the movies. And I wanted art to imitate life so bad. And what happened is, is in that shuffle, I saw my sisters being beaten down by life and not having a strong role model there to to mold them and shape them. And I saw my brothers being beaten down by life and not having a father figure to steer them in the right direction. And we just had a lot of traits, especially me and my brothers, that were just more of a feminine um, angle, I guess you could say. And it was hard. It was hard because we were so emotional. We, 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 were, we were linked to each other. I remember times me and my brother would just sit on the floor and we literally would just hug. And I'd cry because I didn't feel that kind of love in the household. Now, don't get me wrong. My grandma's the strongest person that I've ever known in my entire life. Now, she loved us and she gave us everything that she had. But as a woman who loses her anchor and then has to raise her kids who still need to be raised even as adults, who take in her her grandkids of every walk of life. She literally was old Mother Hubbard, and that's how her home was. It was built that way. And to have that many people in a household, I understand why she wasn't able to give kisses and, and hugs and all that stuff. It, it was enough. It was draining enough just trying to raise that many people. And the fact that we shared laughs and we were able to cry and, you know, we were able to actually find a semblance of reality, like, that's crazy. And that's not even talking about the drugs and the alcohol that was infested through my home. That didn't talk about any of that stuff. That didn't talk about the fact that we were almost put into children's services and, you know, our schooling wasn't the best. And I don't mean we didn't go to the best schools because we did. We actually went to some of the best schools, but homework, projects, 
you know, SATs and all that stuff that they talk about on TV shows and maybe some of your friends have actually experienced and talked about. That wasn't what we talked about in our household. In our household, it was all about just making it, just surviving. When you hear someone say, hey, take those kids and ship them up a river. They're just like their mother and they're not going to amount to nothing. So take that headache off your shoulders because it's not worth it. When you hear that at such a young age, it paints a picture for you. It paints a picture that you're not worth anything. And once that picture is painted and life starts to happen, every stroke is a reminder that you're not worth it, that you're not good enough, that there's always somebody better than you. And what you end up doing is you fight yourself on everything. You fight yourself on who to talk to, where to go, if you should leave. Should you be an extrovert or an introvert? You fight yourself on every decision you make because you realize you're not going to amount to anything. When you have to be the big brother and that's what you hear, sometimes in your household, it doesn't go the way you think it is. Now in my brain, you hear that and you think, hey, you know what? I'm going to take over. I'm going to be the leader. But sometimes when you're beaten down, so long that sometimes getting back up, it's the victory in itself. It's not even what you do afterwards. It's actually just getting back up to get knocked down again. And over and over again, you lose sight of things. You lose sight of this and you lose sight of that. And I grew up loving to draw. I grew up in the art, but I had nobody there to instill that in me, to make me keep those skills. And the one skill I did find is I was really good on the microphone, making music. It was hard when you were a younger kid and you don't even want to present that to your family because you never felt good enough. So your friends were your cheerleaders, your classmates, your, your friends' parents, your teachers were, were the biggest rooters in your entire life. And you go through life in this cycle and you're trying to find right from wrong and you struggle, you struggle. As I got older, I got in relationships and what I realized is that no matter what I did, it was like there was two women in the relationship. And what I mean by that is that I was so hell bent on trying to make it work that I was stifling relationships. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who understand what I'm saying, but if you don't, women think what they, just a different part of their brain in relationships. They want everything to be perfect and they don't want anything to go bad. So imagine being with a woman or a younger lady who can't actually feel that way because the man or the young man is acting and reacting in the same way. I literally was sabotaging my own relationships because all I wanted to do was love them. Imagine that scene in a movie where you see the little kid and they've lost things in their life and you may not even know the backstory, but they grab that little puppy and they hold on to that puppy 
And the first thing you say in your brain when you see her holding that puppy or that little boy holding that puppy is, wow, you're going to squeeze the life out of that puppy if you don't stop holding on so tight. And that's what I did. I held on so tight because I never knew what that felt like. So it was all foreign to me. And it's just what I wanted it to be. It wasn't what it was supposed to be. It's what I wanted it to be. So when it was good, I guess there was a semblance up there where she was allowed to be the lady and, you know, I was the guy. But there were so many things that I just didn't grasp at a young age. My work ethic, it took forever to come in. It took so long because I was searching. And my sister would even tell you, she said, for years, I thought you were lost. And I never admitted it, but I was lost. I didn't know I was lost because I didn't know what I was looking for. And what I realized is that through being lost and trying to find a way, I kept trying to replace the women that were in my life with new women in my life to give them what the women in my life was never able to receive. You know how hard it is to give somebody something that you've never known yourself? It's almost impossible because what you do is you go about it the way you were taught. So I was romantic. I was loving. I was doting. I was caring. I called when I said I would call. I stayed on the phone longer than I should have stayed on the phone. I was sweet nothings. I was whispering. I was kissing. I was all of those things just overly romantic. You know, when they wouldn't come in at a certain time, it would, it would bother me like to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find out where they are. And the first thing I thought was something negative. And what I realized is that taking you back to a moment in my childhood, I was always waiting on Fridays for my uncle to pick me up. My uncle would pick me up. We'd go play video games, eat pizza. We'd laugh. And the cool thing about that was, is that it took me away from my reality. It gave me a sense of belonging and between you and me, that was my only notion of a father figure, but it was few and far in between. It wasn't enough to hold on to. And as I grew up, I realized that he too, and a lot of my family members, we literally were all in the same boat. You have no idea how hard it is to look at a family tree and realize there's no father figures holding that thing together. That's a weak tree. And what I mean by that is that it, it's strong in the roots and it gives you everything you need. But there are some things that you want to have. And when you don't have those things, you suffer. And Going back to my uncle, I remember at times when he was supposed to come and he never showed up. And I sat there and I sat there and then I moved from the couch to the chair and then I moved from the chair to the door. And as I sat by the door, every time a light would come around the corner, I thought it was him. Every time the cars came down the street, I thought it was him. And no matter what I did, there were times when it took him hours to show up. 
it never stopped me from standing at that door, sitting on that porch, waiting to be taken away from my reality so I could experience something different than what I was used to. And being in the midst of that, it was, it was hard because somehow in that moment, the pressure that I put on my uncle, whether he knew it or not, to come through was, was him being like a father figure. And that's what I was missing mostly. So as I got older with the relationships and things, I played the woman. I ran them off. I was too clingy. I was too assertive. I was so predictable. One of the things they'll tell you about talking to a woman in life, especially as a guy, is you never want to remain too predictable because you become boring. And once you become boring, you, you they know your habits. They know your traits. And no offense to myself, but it is a weakness because if someone knows where you are all the time, then they don't have to wonder about you. They don't have to think that you might be talking to someone else or you might actually have a life. You're pining and holding and waiting on that moment until you're back with them. So I did that through all my relationships and with job, jobs, I struggled. I struggled a lot with jobs because that work ethic wasn't there. And as I got older, I realized that no matter what, I couldn't replace what was missing because I did not know what was missing. And then a few years ago, I read a book called 3%. The book talks about how you can read a book over and over again, and you're only going to gain 3% every time you read it. So imagine how many times you actually have to read a book to comprehend entirely what it was saying. So nothing goes over your head or in one ear and out the other. And as I read that book, it brought me a sense of understanding that I had never known before, that I was allowed to feel the way I felt, that I shouldn't be ashamed to feel the way I felt. And everywhere I go, everywhere I've ever been, I've always tried to, tried to be the leader. And sometimes that falls on deaf ears, because when you show up empty-handed to be a leader, <laughs> it makes no sense. If David would have showed up without the slingshot, they would have looked at him like he was crazy. So for me to show up empty-handed, almost like a vagabond, this is not a movie. People aren't paying attention to people who don't bring something to the table. And sometimes I was underneath the table. And just that, you know, just that little bit of, of time and moment through my life and each course that has happened, there is only one thing. That has kept me from falling into the drug path that my family went down or the alcohol path or, you know, doing something to myself or putting myself in bad situations and gangs and things like that. There was the one thing that I've always had that I didn't give the true glory or definition to. And that was God. To overlook your one true father lets you know how deep the rabbit hole actually goes. That's why as 
Today is the day that I chose to speak on Father, Father Figures, Father's Day. Today I glorify my Father because without Him, I wouldn't be lost. I wouldn't be here. There is no way I can tell you how I've managed to go my whole entire life without a record, without being pulled over for a DUI, without ever being drunk, without ever being high, without ever experimenting, without putting myself in a situation that was bad for me. So I may have lost out on a lot of experiences, but being so close to the cross is actually what kept me from experiencing things that most people shouldn't have to go through. And I've seen it on my friends, my family. I've talked people off the suicide hotline. I've literally been there for people in their worst times. And what I realized is that there is something father-like in me. And it's taken some time. And it's still going to take some time in order to mold it the right way. But the reason why I wasn't able to mold it the right way is because I never gave credit to where credit was due. And when you're so lost that you miss out on the amazing father that has given you life and given everybody around you life, you have to take a step back and you have to substitute what you thought for what is real. Now, there may be a lot of people out there who feel exactly like I feel or have went through what I've went through. So what this, is, what this is here to do for you today, or to tell you, and even tell myself, because I'm learning as I'm going along. When you shoot from the hip and you write a couple of pointers down, you're able to emotionally get involved in what you're trying to produce to someone. So as I talk, and the tape just rolls along, and I don't look at a script, and I don't go back and forth, and I don't rustle any papers, this is how I can be 100% real with you. This is how I can be first and middle, Brandon Markell. I want you guys to know that there's always a father out there who's there for you. And anytime you need him, day or night, whether you're weak, whether you're strong, whether you're on top of the world or whether you're at the bottom of, of, of Earth's footstool, he's always going to be there. So whenever you feel lost, like I felt lost, Whenever someone tells you you're not going to mount anything, you're not going to be anything. Whenever you spend your whole life trying to be nothing of a statistic because that's all they gave you the measure for. Whenever you feel that low, just look up or get down on your knees or hold your hands out, close your eyes and remember that the only reason why you're here is because he found something in you that was just like him. Dear Father, we thank you today, as we should thank you every day. But I realize now that I've always had a father. And I've always been your son. I want to thank you guys again for checking out the first pilot episode of 100% Real with Brandon Markell. I hope you've enjoyed your stay as much as I've enjoyed giving it to you. Till next time, love, peace.
and blessings. 100% Real with Brandon Markell has been brought to you by the good folks at iHi Entertainment and We Are One Productions. Audio music courtesy of audiotrimmer.com. That's audiotrimmer.com forward slash royalty dash free dash music. Questions, comments, or feedback for the host? Email direct at letstalktomarkel at gmail.com. That's L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K, the number two, M-A-R-K-L at gmail.com. Till next time, keep it real and keep it 100.